<laughs> and I will totally drop an F-bomb, so you might have to bleep that out. <laughs> That's, that is not purposeful, I, I swear. Well, uh, yeah, I, I figure, but you're an orthopedist. Yeah, that's, so, that's how we roll. See, yeah, that's, that's kind of how you roll. This is Rotations. I'm Todd Fredericks, Assistant Professor of Family Medicine at Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. I've known a lot of orthopedic surgeons, and this is one of two that's a human being. Um, because I can call him up any time of the day, and he doesn't berate me for my lack of orthopedic knowledge or my lack of fancy eponyms, or as a GP, I can say, I have this problem, I hope I'm describing it right, and he will take the time to say, okay, I, I, I dig it, I, let me see what I can do for it, or I can help you. And I'm going to give it to Nisarga, and he can go into the formal introductions. Yeah, uh, so my name is Nisarga, I'm a second-year medical student at Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. We have an orthopedic surgeon here today, Dr. Sergio Aloha. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Sure, thanks. Um, I actually had the opportunity uh, to go to a basketball game with you, as, as you're the team physician, and yeah. uh, we hung out. You uh, brought your son as well, and it was fun. We really got a chance to uh, talk to you and, and learn about your practice, so it was a good time. Yeah, you know, the little guy tends to drag around. I, I tend to drag him around as my kids <laughs> as much as possible. As, you know, you guys know, right? Like, medicine takes up a lot of your time, and, and a lot of your... Spare time ends up being kind of your brain ends up kind of wrapping itself around whether it was clinic or challenges you've had during the office. So dragging your kids around to sports practices, whether or not they want to go, <laughs> is high yield for me, for sure. Yeah, and also on the panel today, our, our usual person off the street, special person off the street is uh, Cody Chris, who's actually vice president of the surgery club here. So this is something uh, he's interested I am, in. I am, definitely. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, eventually, yeah. Cody, we'll, we'll have the formal buttons made up. And so the guests will get a, a formal rotations mug, coffee mug. The spots, uh, you're not worth that much. So we're just going to give you a pin <laughs> that says you are spots on rotations, a special person <laughs> off the street. And then you can work your way up to coming back and, and getting your own mug. So I'll definitely you can drink out of one. We'll, we'll have one that's special yeah. for people to drink a out. Rental. A rental. <laughs> yeah. A rental mug. That's <laughs> a good. A rental mug. you got to earn your keep. Yeah. So, Dr. Loa, tell us uh, tell us about your background. Yeah. So, um, I am a product of Ohio of Southern Ohio's educational school system. Legitimately, I my father is a physicist, and he brought us here. As a, a real child. scientist. A legitimate, <laughs> physicist. A legitimate scientist. <laughs> a legitimate. <laughs> he, he brought us here um, in uh, in the mid '80s, and I went to um, undergrad. I went to high school. Went to middle school, high school here in Athens, and uh, I went to undergrad here. And then I took a year of post back because I had a good time in undergrad, and then I ended up <laughs> getting into medical school in 2003 um, here at OUHCOM now. It was OUCOM yeah. back in the day, um, and I did medical school through 2007, and then subsequently residency, but I guess we'll get to that too. Yeah, so just like you said, what, what got you interested in your specialty? It was interesting, right? So I, um, I came to Ohio University uh, Heritage College. Uh, I was going to be a pediatrician. I am you know, bilingual, and I was hoping to involve my bilinguality in pediatrics. And I loved kids at the time. It was a good opportunity. I'd rotated with a pediatrician in town who was wonderful. And I saw myself, which I think a lot of us do, we end up rotating with someone who we see and we see that they're a legitimate like, human being and they, they have a good family life and they have a good balance between uh, life and practice. And then you say, you know what, I could absolutely do my do that profession. And it isn't, turns out it's not really the profession that you're interested in. It's It's that kind of being able to balance life. And I did a pediatric rotation. I liked it. And I went to medical school. I was going to be a pediatrician for sure. And I started doing a few more pediatric rotations. And I realized that it, perhaps it really wasn't my calling. And I started doing pediatric surgery rotations. And ultimately, you get into medicine and you end up doing, you end up deciding you want to either be in the operating room or you, or you don't. 
And if you choose you want to be in the operating room, there's a myriad of specialties you can kind of dive into. And for me, I love the opportunity to be in the operating room. I mean, not only like to do things with my hands, which is always kind of like the general uh, generic coin phase, but um, I, I enjoyed going in, having a challenge and addressing that challenge at the time. Um, and so to me, operating room seemed like the obvious choice. So I started rotating in pediatric uh, rotations. One of those pediatric rotations had, I don't know, there were eight of us or something on a pediatric rotation. And they said, you know what, guys, there's too many of you guys. They're, the ortho guys have a, a couple pediatric cases. <laughs> what Do one of you guys want to go over there? And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll go over to pediatric. And so that day we did uh, some ACLs, some pediatric ACLs, and some knee arthroscopies, and it was done. Like, I was hooked. And, and it <laughs> That's was, all and it took? It was, it was one day. To, right. So, uh, you know, I, I was the beneficiary of an ACL reconstruction as a kid. You know, I played sports my life, and, and I, saw, I saw pediatric ACL. And, I was, and for whatever reason... You know, you, you go in, you start drilling tunnels in, in bones, and some people are like, whoa, dude, that's gross. And it kind of is, right? But, like, for me, it was, it was fascinating. And I was like, maybe I, could, maybe I could do this. So what you're saying is they had you at staple. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, blind hook and sinker, right? So, um, so I got there, and I, and, I did the ro- and, I, and I rotated there, and I went back. And I had already scheduled my general surgery rotations because I was going to be a pediatric surgeon, right? And so I went back to, to my home base, my third year home base, and I was like, oh my God, I have to change my rotations. And she's like, no, 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 you, you can't do that. Like, this is orthopedics. You can't just change midway through your third year practice or through your third year of medical, uh, medical school. And I was like, but I have to do that. So I had a non-discussion with my wife now at the time who, was, who we were in a serious relationship, and I was like, I think I want to do orthopedics. And she was like, okay, you know, like, <laughs> are you sure? Like, that's a huge change. Like, you're going to have to really knock, you know, the med school out of the park, the, the board, second step of boards out of the park. Yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, I got pretty decent board scores in the first round. Like, let's try it. What's the worst case that can happen? It doesn't sure. work, right? So I started rotating and rotating and learning the language. And uh, ultimately, you know, the third and fourth years where I was, it, they had an orthopedic training program. So I started just hanging out with the ortho guys. And like any subspecialty, Todd, Todd mentioned it, the fact, you know, if I were to call a dermatologist and I were to say, hey, I got this thing and it looks red. <laughs> it's kind of what say, we all do. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They'd say, is it macules or papules? I don't remember. Is it raised? Uh, I didn't check. Right? So we all have our terminology, right? And you call a nephrologist. They're going to say, is it... Um, pre-renal is it post-renal and I'm I don't remember like I don't know right so we all have our kind of lingo and so I started hanging out with the orthopedic guys and gals and their lingo I caught on and I started to be able to speak the way that they spoke and I started to be able to describe the way that they described it and they gave me an opportunity to ultimately come back as an intern Mm -hmm. and I managed not to blow it and then I got a residency there it was great nice so throughout your training you know you talk about learning that lingo was a lot of that experiential, just being there, or did you also supplement that with extra reading? And oh, for sure, studying? it's extra reading. Yeah, so, um, I mean, ultimately, you know, when you guys get into your third and fourth years, you're going to find something you really love, right? You're going to find something you're going to be, and it's hard, right? You get in, you start opening up the op- dermatology book, or um, you start opening up the orthopedic book, and it is a bunch of language you don't know. Mm-hmm. But the more you read it and the more you listen to it, the easier it kind of comes to you. So it, is, it was a lot of independent learning. But medical school, truthfully now, is a lot of independent learning. And so I kind of just found time. Found I made time. Because if I was going to go in, you, you have to go all in, right? So, you know, it was like I was going all in on, a, on, on the river, right, with a 2-3 offsuit, right? So, <laughs> I mean, ultimately that's what I was doing. So I, was, I read a ton. I, I 
read articles. I hung out with those guys and gals. I was in the ER on my, on my spare time. I was hanging out with them, watching them do reductions, watching them uh, put on splints so that when they said, all right, do you want to reduce this risk or do you want to help me to reduce this risk? I, I knew what to do, right? I yeah. knew how to, I knew what to do. I knew what the steps were. And I mean, ultimately, you know, I say this a lot to the residents and, and to medical students around my service. You can teach a monkey to do what I do. Ultimately, you really can, right? Like, but it's the, it's the ability to put in the time and to communicate that with a patient that ultimately gives you the opportunity to see more and more patients and to have them trust you, right? Yeah. So can you, uh, can you talk a little bit about your residency then, your training? Sure. What was that like? Yeah. So um, residency is five years in orthopedics. So internship year you go in um, and traditional rotating internship is what I did. Um, they still had that at the time. And I think that that's kind of changing now. But TRIs we had at the at Cuyahoga Falls General, which is now Summa Western Reserve, we had um, traditional rotating interns that were categorized as ortho TRIs, OB TRIs, ER TRIs, FP TRIs, or I don't know TRIs, which is like, you know, I'm trying to get into dermatology or radiology or whatever, or pathology or really challenging uh, residency, and I haven't gotten there yet. So I'm doing a year to try to make sure that I truthfully want to do that or do more research or do write, write more publications. And in the orthopedic TRI, there were, there were two of us, and that was the first of five years. And then after five years, you sit for your boards, and you are, you know, you are allowed to practice general orthopedics. And a lot of us do. A lot of my, a lot of my colleagues and I do that. Um, there's an opportunity to do another year, a sixth year. Um, and there are six separate subspecialties in orthopedics, and I chose one of them, um, and I got a good fellowship and, and ultimately ended up doing sports uh, as one of the six other opportunities after your five years of training. But, I mean, it's a, it is a decision that you don't have to do. A lot of us don't do that. In fact, the, the other guy who was in my residency, he, he started practice right away. So, you know, it's, it's such a long road. So I guess my question is, once you decided that you wanted to do surgery and work with your hands, um, what made you rule out other types of surgery, whether it's, you know, trauma or general or whatever Yeah, else? good question. So I, I rotated with a, a bunch of others. I did uh, general surgery, and then we did uh, colorectal surgery. We had general surgery. We did some trauma. I had some general trauma. I had some orthopedic trauma. We had some neurosurgery that I just kind of rotated around. Um, and I like them. I mean, I, I mean, I think in a parallel universe, I would have been a surgeon doing another type of surgery, and I would have enjoyed it. I would have enjoyed it because I like operating. Um, but it just didn't. It, you know, like I didn't go home and say, "Man, I want to read about colorectal adenocarcinomas." Right? <laughs> I went home and I said, "Man, I really want to know the anatomy of the rotator cuff much better than what I think I do." That's awesome. So, you know, uh, a lot of focus for this podcast is, is for medical students, uh, mm -hmm. especially ones that are about to rotate through orthopedic surgery. So uh, what advice do you have, you know, in terms of knowing some common diagnoses that you see in your practice or, or reading up on specific conditions beforehand? Yeah. So, I mean, the key in any kind of rotation is when you when you come, uh, you want to have an open mind um, and, and independent of whether or not you want to do orthopedics or not. You, you want to come well prepared and that's what I think you're ultimately asking. And you also want to like you want to treat the staff with respect. You want to treat the MAs, the nurses, the office managers, the woman who's answering the phone. Everyone has to be treated with respect mm -hmm. because they will help you or they will hinder you dramatically. And that includes in the operating room, nurses, scrub techs. Be an open mind. Be positive. Do you see any conditions that in your practice that got referred to by a family practitioner, some someone in primary care that you know they could have treated in their office uh, but referred to you? So it's interesting. Medicine's be kind of becoming very subspecialized, right? The the 
um, the way that we deal with medicine, medicine's a little bit different now. And in a sense that like, you know, as a, as a general practitioner, some people in the general practitioner field um, see themselves as um, a coordinator of care and, and all isolated coordinator of care. So where they, if there is a musculoskeletal problem, they're going to send it to the musculoskeletal guy. If there is a uh, renal problem, they'll send it to another nephrologist, you know? So, and that's fine. Um, what I do end up seeing is a lot of patients who come to me with arthritis that haven't been put on an NSAID, haven't seen physical therapy to try to kind of optimize their non-operative management, haven't had injections into their knee of like hyaluronic acid or cortisone. Um, because ultimately, I mean, ultimately I love meeting people. And if I, if I have to meet them and do that first step, it's fine. But it would be probably better, better time spent for that patient to have, hey, Sergio, you know, Dr. Frederick saw me, saw my knee looked at radiographs and said, yeah, I think you're having a little bit of neural arthritic knee. Let's send you some therapy. Let's get you a sleeve brace. Let's see if you do better. And if you don't, I got this guy that I like to send you to. Because then I at least know, like, look, this patient is, they've tried legitimate conservative management. And what else, how, what else can I do to kind of augment that care? And I think that's something that can be kind of started at the primary care level. Yeah. My poor wife has to hear that a lot. <laughs> She's my wife. God love her. She is a she has terrible taste in men because she married me. But uh, she sees, she hears a lot of my, <laughs> she hears a lot of my like, oh my goodness, this could have absolutely been dealt with at a primary. She's a primary care physician. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess what Sarge's getting at is, I mean, what are those conditions? Those five conditions? Because I guess the preparatory thing here is, is as a FP resident coming through your office, what should they come out with? The five things that they should say, I got. You mentioned arthritis, but yeah. what are the other things that they should feel pretty confident managing at least for the first six weeks or whatever until they run out of options and without worrying about harming a patient. Yeah. So, I mean, simple fracture care is kind of, that's kind of the caveat you were talking about. I, mm-hmm. I think arthritic change, sprain, strain, you know, so like if someone comes in and they have a normal, normal exam, like mm-hmm. someone comes in, they have a normal exam, they did whatever this last weekend. And you're like, you know, I'm pretty confident that their exam is normal. I'm pretty confident that they'd get better with physical therapy. You can kind of extrapolate that to a lot of other joints, right? We've all kind of sprained our ankle. We've all kind of twisted our knee and said, yeah, it doesn't feel normal, but let me give this a little bit of time. Let me try some ends. Let's try some ice and let's see if it gets better. Those are all very reasonable kind of plans before you go see the orthopedist. Um, and, you know, all of us are comfortable seeing that. And, the, you know, in the in the way that medicine's changing now, I did my fellowship up in Cleveland. And one of the things that they had was you can see a physician today. You'd be seen today. You can see the, I mean, if you watch the, the Tri Play on TV, like there's all kinds of commercials on like be seen today. So people would drive 40 minutes for an ankle sprain just to be seen by an orthopedist. And you're like, uh, you have an ankle sprain. Please, <laughs> please, please pay your copay on the way out, right? And so ultimately, but, but you know, the, ultimately those things are absolutely very reasonable to be seen as a primary care physician and say, look, you have an ankle sprain. Like, I know you're uncomfortable. Maybe I need to put you on crutches for a couple of days because everyone's a little bit variable with their pain tolerance. I'm going to put some ice on it or you're going to put some ice on it and let's see you back in a week. And if you're not better, then we'll talk about triaging you to a, you know, musculoskeletal specialist or whatever it is. But I think, I think, I think we end up triaging a lot because we are so subspecialized. Mm. That's changing a lot in that sense. Yeah. You know, you're talking a lot about how medicine has changed. Uh, how is orthopedic surgery changing currently? You know, what, what sorts of current developments are going on that you, you've kind of kept your eye on? So it's interesting. Um, in the last, um, about 20 years, joint preservation has been huge. So cartilage restoration, joint preservation, they're even like opening up subspecialties in uh, orthopedic uh, um, departments of guys and gals who do cartilage restoration. So that includes kind of stem cell treatment. That includes um, 
PRP injections, you know, we use prolotherapy in the DO professions, things like this that, that we are trying to maintain the, the function of that joint as long as possible. Because the end, the end result is an arthroplasty, right? I mean, at some point, if a joint has worn out to the point where they're having, you know, daily intractable pain, they've tried everything, nothing's better than the knee, joint, hip, whatever is always swollen is preventing them from living their quality of life. The final, final result is a replacement. But we should really do what we can to preserve that joint until that point. So joint preservation is huge and joint salvage is huge for that. So that's what I'm seeing. You know, medicine is changing that way. And even orthopedics is changing that way. We're doing a lot of what we can to kind of maintain that. And that, that also involves, which is harder, like an honest discussion with your patients, right? Like it involves a 10 minute discussion. Like, look, Sergio, I know your knee's going to hurt. I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's better than metal and plastic. I promise, right? At this age in your career, in your life, it's better than an arthroplasty. And so I think that's what's why it's kind of up and coming. Yeah. So, you know, if, going back to the medical student kind of preparing to rotate with you, um, you know, in your experience teaching, what, what sorts of mistakes have you seen that, that students make that are preventable? So I, I think um, earlier on I mentioned the fact that um, respect is the number one thing. I, I, I have students come in, and I think some of it is like anxiety, right? They come in and they're, they're you know, they're, they're shooting from the hip, and they don't really mean to come off abrasively, but they're nervous and they want to show how much they know. And I think sometimes that can be misinterpreted as arrogance. Mm-hmm. Um, but abrasiveness is, um, it's less well tolerated. Like if you, if you come into the office and, and, you, and you're willing to learn and you just don't know, but you're nice to people, like I think people will help you learn more. Yeah, there's this, uh, this concept that I, I have a mission to, to uh, uh, suck out of medical students, uh, the term audition rotation, which I, drives me insane. Because if I'm a medicine guy, which I am, and I go along with a surgeon, and the surgeon asks me, well, what's your next rotation? And I'm on orthopedics, and I say, well, my audition rotation is, is in the ICU. Or I'm going on my audition rotation in the ICU. I've just conveyed to you that I just don't care about orthopedics. Absolutely. Right? And the problem is, is that you may be an intensivist, but, the pro- but you might have a patient with an orthopedic injury that's not diagnosed properly, or you're not taking full advantage of what the orthopedist can offer you in terms of neurovascular status below the level of an injury. All those little things that that tie into the, the, the greater gestalt of what you're going to do as a doctor and being a good practitioner no matter what you're doing. And so, yeah, I mean, it's hard when you're tired to pay attention to something that, man, I don't see myself doing this. On the other hand, like you, you were going to be a pediatrician. Yeah. And suddenly somebody opened your eyes. And how late were you into, was this third year, fourth year? M- midway through third year. Third yeah, year. And all of a sudden you went different late. track, right? Yeah, Because absolutely. something just clicked with you. Yep. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, you... A lot of the other things that you can learn, I mean, independent of whether or not you like something, you know, you can learn interview skills that are on rotation mm-hmm. that, that will pay off down the road. You can learn to, inter, you know, interviewing a patient in pain is kind of, you're going to have that in OB, you're going to have that in orthopedics, you're going to have that in ER. And being able to kind of tease out the important information is really important, right? I mean, it's like the classic thing that they tell you, just ask the patient, they'll tell you the answer, right? They'll Di- they'll give you the diagnosis. You just have to let them speak, right? So b- being able to do that efficiently, mm-hmm. at least interview skills is also important too. Yeah. Well, so sort of on the flip side of that, you know, the, there's all these mistakes that students make, but what are some instances you've seen where students really stand out or do something that goes above and beyond, uh, that, something that really impresses you as their teacher? So I, I, I love it when someone comes into me and we have a discussion. You know, we, we have a discussion about, let's say, cervical radiculopathy, right? Someone comes in, patient comes in, uh, for a shoulder arm pain, and the student comes out like, Serge, I think this is really coming from their neck. Well, why? 
while I was reading and I read, like we talked about last week, and I didn't like the fact that I didn't get that answer right, and I, they have a positive spurling, they have weakness in the C5 myotome, decreased sensation in the C6-7 dermatome. And to me, I'm like, that's awesome, right? Because to me, they've taken that second level of like thinking, right? They, they thought about a problem that they couldn't diagnose or whatever before. They went home and read about it, and then they came back, and now we're having a more interesting discussion about, all right, well, how do you diagnose what's a particular nerve root? Because if I were to have that discussion with them in the beginning and they don't really know cervical radiculopathy, it's like it's too much information for them mm. to, kind of ex- to kind of tease out. But then we're able to get to kind of that second level thinking. And I, I mean, honestly, for any kind of profession, the independent study at home um, allows for a higher level of communication in the office when, when it's done right. There's medical students listening to this. Many of them don't know what they want to do, right? So just to kind of give a better idea of, of what your day-to-day practice is like, um, can you maybe talk about like what, what's a bad day or what's your worst day when, when you're at work? Yeah, so um, practice for the majority of surgeons are clinic and, and OR, and the majority of the time we'll have a one or two days in the operating room and a couple of three days in the clinic. Um, a bad day in clinic. So a bad day in clinic for me is... Um, opiate problems. So patients who are, you know, you want to help them and they come to you and they just are so fixated on pain where you're like, Let, let's, let's, I know you're hurting. I, like, let's get beyond that point because the solution to your problem, independent of this pain, may not be a surgical solution. So opiates are a challenging thing. Um, a hard day in the operating room is when you just have a challenging case. I mean, that's a little bit easier, right? Because we like to operate, right? Orthopedic surgeons enjoy operating. So if I'm doing a uh, a fracture case and I have a distal femur that's just dusted and I'm in there and I'm frustrated because I'm trying to put K wires across this distal femur and it's just like mush, trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together, that can be frustrating. But ultimately, the final solution is rewarding. The the hardest part about both of those um, is like, uh, surgeons, we don't tend to own our life, right? So we're on call, right? And that's that's one of the challenges when you decide whether or not you want to become a uh, surgeon or not is ultimately you're going to be on call. And when you're on call, um, you know, that concert that you want to go to, you can't go to. Uh, or like the, the your kid's soccer game, you're going to get called out of it sometimes. And that's the hardest thing sometimes, right? So you know, just recently, one of my children had her birthday and we're celebrating the birthday party and I get a phone call like, oh, I've got such and such a thing in the ER. Um, I can't reduce it. And I'm, uh, okay, I'll be right there. And and my wife knows, right? I mean, she's yeah. still frustrated with it for sure, but she knows. Like, I'll be back as soon as I can. And I and I come back, you know, a couple hours later, and the party's over. And and that happens. And then that and that's hard. Mm-hmm. But the joy of like the the good days. Yeah. So the, what's your best day? That was that was that was the next stuff. Italian, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the good days are the thank yous, right? So you know, you have someone who comes into you with a challenge, and you help them get over that challenge, um, whether it's surgical or not. Uh, with injections, you're providing them the opportunity to kind of chase after their grandkids or, you know, mm. throw a baseball with their son or um, get back to playing football or whatever, whatever it is. And, and that opportunity, that's, that's pretty rewarding. That's, that's fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, Cody, you've been here uh, on, on the panel the, uh, during this whole discussion. Do you have any questions or comments? For yeah, Dr. I'll Lowe? chime in. Um, so I think, you know, everybody has an idea of what medicine is before they even come in. And I think even mine, after a year has probably changed of what my idea of medicine and what the role of physician, how has yours changed since the moment you were like, you know, I definitely want to go into medicine. I want to be a doctor. Well, so through, through the, the myriad of uh, decisions as to whether or not I was going to be an orthopedist, that was the hardest part, kind of bouncing through my life and saying, like, is this decision a solid decision? 
um, um, incorporation of EMR has actually, actually also been a lot more than I thought I was going to do. I talked to my wife about this interview last night. And I said, you know, what, it, what is, what's hard about your day-to-day? What's the hardest thing about your day-to-day practice? And she said EMR. And I said, it's funny because um, we're so used to, like if you, ta- if you take the people in our class and you take people 30 years older than we are, they didn't know computers that well. But we started using computers more as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. So EMR was a little bit easier to us. For you guys, EMR is going to be a heck of a lot easier. But it's still just time-consuming. And... I think that's the thing that I didn't know. I didn't know how much regulations were going to be involved in what I did. Um, I thought it was going to be a little bit more um, independent. I was going to say, you know, so-and-so has A, B, C, X, Y, and Z, and this is the solution. Oh, I have to call for a, uh, authorization on MRI. Oh, I have to call to make sure that their surgery gets approved. Oh, I have to talk to their, you know, and so there's a lot of, like, hurdles that I didn't expect to have as a physician that, that we're having more of. We're EMR, um, we're being governed a little bit more than we were 20 years ago. And is that good or bad? I don't know, it, it just is, right? I mean, it just, it just is, we just have to kind of get used to that. Dr. Fredericks, how has your definition of medicine changed? And as a GP, you're the family doctor for that 600 group, person group of people. Mm-hmm. And, and traditional general practice medicine is very liberating in that way because it's a lot of different things. And it's always something you can learn. And you get screamed at more orthopedic surgeons on the phone. But then you <laughs> learn something. And then, you know, I mean, it's good. That's, so, that's how it's changed. I, again, everything that, that Dr. Eloa mentions, the EHR thing and the corporatization of medicine is hard to get around sometimes. But I, I, I'm rambling. But. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Yeah, no it was, problem. It was a good fun. chat. Yeah, hopefully uh, any med students listening got something productive out of it. Yeah, read some anatomy. Read a lot of anatomy. Very anatomy. There's no such <laughs> thing <laughs> as too anatomy. much anatomy. <laughs> and thank you for joining us, Cody, as yep, well. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep this coming. Rotations is the weekly podcast of all things medical and is part of the media and medicine family of medical storytelling. Rotations is a product of Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine and the Scripps College of Communication. Rotations is hosted by Nisarg Bakshi, Produced by Todd Fredericks, audio engineered by Kyle Snyder, and video edited by Brian Plow. Rotations is co-hosted by a League of Champions of All Things Medical and a few people we pull off the street. Rotations is copyrighted, and while we welcome citations, tweets, Facebook likes, and other endorsements via word of mouth and social media, we reserve all rights to content. You may use Rotations content under the provisions of Creative Commons, but you cannot alter or edit the content in any manner without express permission of the content creators, and you must cite Rotations as the source of any content derived from the podcast. We welcome any comments, and you can contact us by emailing us at rotationspodcast.gmail.com, tweeting us at rotationspcast, or by visiting mediamedicine.com and putting the word Rotations in the subject line. 